I'm Aria Schwartz, along with Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. Opening weekend is in the rear view, and we got a lot to talk about. If you like our show, please consider joining our Patreon community. For less than a cup of coffee a month, you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the W. And do not forget to see our amazing staff's writing content on winsider.com. That's winsider.com. The WNBA season is here. I'm Aria Schwartz, and I'm here with my co-host, Rachel Galligan. Let's just dive right into it. The WNBA's opening weekend is done. It was exciting to see, but now the season is in full swing. So, Rachel... How does it feel to be back in the middle of the WNBA season? You know, I, I was trying to have, I really had to multitask this weekend. I was running an event. Um, it's, yes, there's basketball being played even at the grassroots level. So I was running a tournament and um, I was able to kind of get the games up and be able to do a little bit of both. Um, and I swear, like, I, I just was smiling from ear to ear the entire time. I think I've always been so appreciative of, you know, having basketball and our, our opportunity to watch them play nationally um, in the WNBA. But but this year, man, it was just really cool. I had so many chills on Saturday when we were getting back to play. I, I was I was really excited. I was really happy that, that we're at this point and it's been a long time coming. Speaking of long time coming, uh, perfect segue. ESPN today announced that they added 13 more games uh, to their slate of TV channels. To coverage of this season which is extremely exciting and like we said a long time coming we're not going to break down all of that we've already done a show about the whole roster and the whole schedule it's on all that jazz uh so let's move on to what happened this weekend and what we can expect during the rest of the season i think the first thing as far as a major storyline of this weekend was the rookies showing out i mean there was a lot of talk about you know i saw all over the twitter sphere there's a lot of talk about the second year players kind of struggled a little bit but I got to say, the rookies did not. They were prepped for it. If you're asking me, the, the rookie that, that showed out the most was Ty Harris. I mean, what a rookie debut. Coming off the bench, showing poise, showing speed control, showing the ability to shoot, showing the ability to feed to her teammates. I know you're not surprised, but give me your thoughts on Ty. I have loved Ty for a very, very long time. I think, you know, you could almost debate, was she a little bit underrated coming out of this draft? Um, you know, but, but honestly just being able to watch her career um, from high school to where she is now um, has been really fun. And, and anyone who's followed her, especially when she was at South Carolina, one of her biggest knocks, especially headed into her, you know, her upperclassman years was her inability to shoot the ball. Well, she comes out and, and drains three threes, goes 50% from the three point line, which, you know, it really is a testament to the work that she continues to put into her game. Um, not only is she a playmaker, can she create for her teammates? Does she have the athleticism to play, at an extremely high level in the league, but, you know, she's expanded her scoring ability too. So Ty Harris, I mean, we're just going to see, I think, a lot of really great performances from her, but pay attention to the things she does just outside of scoring, you know, the, 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 how heady she is, how smart she is. Her basketball IQ um, goes unmatched, in my opinion, in a lot of ways. I think that she's really going to thrive under this wing system and, and really the opportunity is wide open with this being such a young team. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, First of all, talking about her her headiness, I know our very own Winsider's B. Terrell has been 
busting his butt to uh, start the campaign and force the campaign onto the league and onto the team to get her stats corrected. Because, you know, she ends with, what, three, four assists, but there was three or four of them that didn't get counted that, if you watch the film, were definitely attributed to her. So, you know, the stats that she's put up as of today, as of recording, aren't even doing justice to her game. So that's why she's the number one rookie right now in my mind. Number two rookie, if you're talking to me, was Kennedy Carter. I mean, she looked great. A huge criticism of hers coming into this season was how is she going to do with other teammates? We know she can create her own shot. We know she's going to get hers, but how can she lift everyone around her? Eight assists, and some of them were amazing, and some of them also, more importantly, showed the unselfishness that she has because a couple of them, she was going up for a shot, had a, had a play that she could make. She has the ability to make but she decided instead to do a late pass. So that just shows me this isn't the the player that some people have billed her as. I was, I don't want to say I was surprised because I wasn't. Kennedy Carter's, as many love to say, she's just a straight bucket and and she's always going to be. Um, but I think that what, what took me, I guess what I was a little bit surprised about, you know, the moment being your first WNBA game, were there going to be any form of, you know, kind of jitters or just, um, a little bit of nerves that, that come into play. And that's with any player in the league that first game back, but let alone as a rookie, your first game as a pro. Um, we, in my opinion, I didn't really see any of that. I mean, she, Kennedy Carter has such a swagger and confidence about her. Um, and we've always known that, but to see that really shine through on Sunday um, kind of took me even more by surprise, you know, and, and I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Um, I think you could look at both of these teams, Dallas and Atlanta. And last year, I mean, we didn't talk about 105 and 95 with either of these teams <laughs> with an ability to even score it the way they did on Sunday. Now that are we talking about defense? Um, was there a lot of defense being played? Yeah. Well, obviously that that's going to have to improve on both ends from, from Dallas in particular, letting Atlanta hang 105 on him. But I mean, Kennedy Carter back to her was, you know, she's obviously got the green light, um, at least to a degree, as, as it's early in the season. And we, we, we still try to analyze the shot selection by the dream. Um, but then, you you know, here soon, we've got to throw in the dynamic of Courtney Williams. And so I do think that it being early on, it's hard to say, you know, does, does Carter take a little less of a load? And then those go to arguably your franchise player. I don't know. Um, the jury's going to be out, but definitely a tremendous showing by Carter. And I was impressed with just her um, level of comfort on the court. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And moving on to Crystal Dangerfield, or I'm just going to forget all of the rest of her name. It's just danger because she's danger when she's on the court. She was the point guard that Minnesota needed. We didn't see it from Lexi Brown. I talked about this a little bit on Winsider Daily with Ben Dole, a great new podcast we're doing uh, on game days where we recap the games of that day. But, you know, she was the player that we in Minnesota needed to see she was the player that when Lexi Brown wasn't getting hers she was 0 for 6 from 3 but we know Lexi's game we know she's going to be getting some of those a little bit later on she also wanted to show out a little bit against her old team we saw that last year where she tried a little bit more forced it a little bit much but um you know talking about danger I was super impressed with what she was able to do it's hilarious to see her and Sylvia Files play together just because of the height discrepancy. But it, I mean, it was just, it was great to see that. I was really impressed by her. And she's stealing minutes for the rest of this season. I'm calling it now. I mean, she was completely underrated coming into this draft, in my opinion. And a lot of that has to do with her size. But anybody who really has, wa has really had the opportunity to watch her career through UConn, 
you know, really picked up on the fact that her last season, you know, before the season was cut short, she was playing the best basketball of her career, in my opinion, and the motor that she plays with. And, and I, 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 when I say motor, I don't mean how fast she goes or, you know, it's, it's a constant steady flow of just how hard she goes across the board. She never stops. She's out there making the hustle play. She's in the right position. And, you know, she just, she doesn't take plays off. She plays with one of the best motors. I think I've seen probably in, in my young career, to be honest with you and Dangerfield, like it's, it's a, a lot of people shy away from height. Um, and I know when the Lynx were able to draft her, they were a little bit surprised that she was on the board. And, and you got to really tip your hat to Cheryl Reed because she saw that, you know, that, that heart that Dangerfield plays with in a lot of ways, I think goes unmatched. Um, and combine that with the level of play she was playing at as before the season ended. I mean, she's going to have a nice career, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised if she gets inserted into the starting lineup here soon and, and really just continues to get those minutes. I mean, she just, she's a, she's a very unique player. She's the type of player that you want to have on your team in terms of just um, as a leader, um, as an on-floor general, but also someone that just gives it all at every, every given possession. And she, she can make plays, she can score it. I mean, Dangerfield single-handedly, in my opinion, brought the links back in that run and really sparked um, the end of that game as Connecticut kind of ran out of gas. Um, she was a huge player in that. I mean, you, you couldn't really not <laughs> um, acknowledge what, what Dangerfield was doing. So she's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, she's got a little bit of Renee Montgomery. She's got a little bit of Jordan Canada. There's a few other players that come to mind. She's a fun one to watch, but the highlight for me was after the post game interview, seeing her, hop on Nafisa Collier's back and get a piggyback ride out of the stadium was, I mean, it, it was, it, yeah, it was just perfect. Obviously, you know, the rookie that's gotten so much attention. So we're going to basically skip over her is Sabrina, just because like everybody, all they talked about this weekend was Sabrina, Sabrina, Sabrina. She had a pretty good game. The shot selection and the shots weren't necessarily there, but we saw the sparks of what she can do and what she will do to this league. I don't think we need to really necessarily talk about her a little too much because, you know, like I said, everyone's talking about her. That's been the common thing that everyone likes to talk about this opening weekend. And I think it's kind of doing a disservice to the rest of the rookies. She's going to show us some stuff, but it's going to be a little bit more time until I want to at least talk about her. Cause in my opinion, she wasn't, she was the number four rookie this weekend. Yeah. That's my take. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about just sheer numbers or, you know, flash, then I agree with that. You know, Sabrina, I, I always felt like she was going to have a bit of a learning curve as the season began, partially because of the type of player she is. Um, it, also, you know, just the, the, the mentality that she brings to the game. Um, I think she's going to approach it a little bit more conservatively as she's still continuing to figure things out. Uh, but then just the Liberty in general. I mean, this, this is a young team that, that, new coach. I mean, everything is new. Everything's going to take a little bit longer to figure out. So she's going to be great. Um, we're going to see some, some, I have no doubt we'll see some triple double performances out of Sabrina. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, I, I did sense maybe a little bit of nerves, um, a couple, a couple turnovers, the pace of game, um, you know, seemed a little bit, um, not necessarily a shock, but you could tell that, you know, we hadn't played basketball in five or six months. <laughs> um, and that was across the board with everybody. So no need to really go into her um, a ton. I think she's going to end up getting more comfortable as time goes on. And we're going to see some great stuff from her. Oh yeah. And then obviously look, she was going to give us uh, going up against the Seattle storm, a prolific defense. So that that's a huge element of it. Also, excuse me. 
let's talk about offseason overhype. Um, you know, I, two, three teams actually come to mind. I added one on late, but the first team was the Indiana Fever. You know, during the offseason, there was a lot of talk of what we saw from Indiana late in the season last year and how they're going to grow from that. But I think that really overshadowed us, pulled the wool over our eyes. We forgot about the fact they're still a relatively young team. They have a new coach. They have some players coming back off injury. They end up coming to the bubble a week late. You know, there's so many elements that went into it that caused them to hamper kind of the high expectations. And I think also it's important, and this is going to be a key element for the first couple of days of this season, is this is a season. You know, just because we have these high expectations for these teams don't mean they're going to start off on the right foot. Sometimes it's going to take a few more games. Um, any thoughts on the fever, Rachel? I mean, I don't want to like overreact and, you know, get too high or too low about any team this early in the season. There, there's mm-hmm. no reason to do it, in my opinion. But, it, you know, I think it's a testament to Washington um, and kind of where that team is, even though they're missing, you know, most of their starting lineup. Um, so I don't want to take that away from them, how dominant they were from a scoring standpoint and, and some of the performances we saw. Shout out to Heinz Allen. Uh, but with Indiana, the big question mark I have is Tierra McCowan. Um, obviously, there's a thousand question marks. What is this team going to look like? What are they going to look like with the return of Vivians? What are they going to look like with McCowan? I don't feel like she played enough. Um, don't really understand why she didn't get the nod in terms of start, but there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes. So, um, yeah, long way to go for the fever, no doubt. Yeah, and we'll get to the Mystics in a moment. The other team that I feel like was overhyped during the offseason was the Phoenix Mercury. And I mean that in the sense of you have completely shifted this team by adding Skylar Diggins-Smith, losing Dewana Bonner. And I think there's going to be an element of a calibration period, if you will, where it's going to take some time. So I think, you know, going into this game, we kind of build the Sparks versus the Mercury as the highlight of the weekend, which I personally was a little bit hesitant to just because, look, there's a lot of superstars in this game. Doesn't mean it's going to be the the hype that we want it to be. Doesn't mean it's going to be the end of the season or the playoff style matchup that we want it to be. Realistically, the Mercury are a week or two away, hopefully at least, uh, from getting into the flow, getting into the rhythm and calibrating this team to where they can be. I think a lot of the hype was, where they can be similar to the fever versus where they are on day one. What are your thoughts about the Mercury? I think your point about, you know, recalibrating and it taking time, as I said before, I don't want to get too high or too low. Um, I do want to make a point that I was sitting there watching this game, the sparks and, uh, uh, Mercury game and I was just like taken back I'm like my god like look who is out on the court right now some of the names out here I mean it was like wow you know from from Griner to Skylar Diggins to Tarazi you know to Candace Parker I mean it was like it was overwhelming the amount of talent on the court but at the same time first game of the season I think with Phoenix you know I I don't, again, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Um, They obviously came out of that third quarter and just got it handed to them. Um, I don't know if that was just a lull of, of, you know, some teams come out of the gun really, really, really quick. Um, Some teams really struggle after halftime. It's too soon to tell kind of how this team is going to go. But like you said, that they're recalibrating. I think, you know, the one that I'm a little bit tough on is Griner. Um, she has mm-hmm. to be better. She has to be better for this team to be successful. And and that's really all I have to say about it. I think Skylar Diggins looked great 
She looked um, like she was in great shape. She was ready to go. You could tell she was ready to compete. Um, I think we're going to see good stuff from her. Um, you know, Tarazi, it was good to see her back out on the floor and, and making some shots. You know, not a great performance from three. She ends up going one for seven. Um, but, you know, it's she hasn't played <laughs> in a long time. Um, and But the biggest thing is, like, the success of this team, in my opinion, relies on Griner's Sorry if this is harsh, but interest in playing hard or not. And um, I think that's going to be what makes or breaks this team. The one thing I will say, another knock that the overhypeness is we have to be realistic. Yes, Diana Taurasi is one of the greatest WNBA players of all time. That being said, look at her age. It, do we really expect her? And I don't mean this in the way that everyone's going to jump on me because I know they're going to jump on me. But like, do we really expect to see a 2018 style season from her? If we do, great. But are, do we have to be a little bit more realistic that she's going to be the third piece in this offense? And like you said, it's going to come down to BG, and then it's going to come down to Skyler and how the two of them can work together. And then Tarasi can just be like that icing on the cake that just makes the cake everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, talking about... Sorry, yeah, no. let me just add one more point. Sorry, I do think that you know we will see some big, big games from Tarasi. I mean, I hope we do, Oh yeah. Um, as long as she's able to stay healthy. But yeah, I mean, it, it, she doesn't have to have the weight on the world on her shoulder. She's not that point of her career. You know, it's kind of a, a three-headed monster, if you will, with especially Skylar Diggins and Griner really need to be the ones that, that take this charge. And what does this team look like without Bonner? I mean, someone who had a great point on Twitter, I apologize, I can't remember who said it, but, you know, it'll be interesting to analyze this this Mercury team and how does that dynamic look with the loss of a player like Dewana Bonner? Does this really um impact them in ways that maybe we didn't think about so i don't know some things to think about as we move forward the next couple weeks love it uh talking about off-season overhype i'm gonna do some off-season underhype and that's the washington mystics everybody was hating on them i'm part of that crew um saying that they're not going anywhere they're gonna be horrible we're not gonna see anything maisha heinz allen 1000 percent heard what i was saying and decided hey i'm gonna show out and she did um just Look, I, I again, we've been talking about it all episode long. I want to reiterate it. Let's not go too high, not go too low. Realistically, you'll see when we get to our power rankings in a moment where I have them currently. Realistically, I still think they're a playoff bubble team. That's my take. But I'll say they did amazing opening weekend. I mean, I think it's important. This This was a perfect example of the opportunity that this year is going to provide. You know, to mm-hmm. some other players to really step up and fill a void. You know, you don't have Elena Deladon. You don't have Tina Charles. You know, Liz Cambage isn't going to be here. So that affects dynamics tremendously. I'm not telling anybody anything you don't know. But, you know, players like Heinz Allen come out and, and you know, Monique Billings come out and, and really seize this opportunity by the horns and just show out. Um, you know, probably unrealistic to think that's going to happen every single night, but this is an opportunity. You know, you, you you have a chance to let your game shine. You have a chance to step up. That's what the coaches are looking for. That's what the league wants. And ultimately, yeah, like we do have a lot of returners that we haven't seen play, you know, the last year, year and a half. So from one, one standpoint, that's exciting. But then from the other standpoint, you do have a handful of, of players sitting out, especially with the Mystics. Um, and so I, I think, you, you know, seeing these players that we weren't talking about last year step up and, and kind of fill those roles and really have a chance to shine is going to be fun to observe and fun to watch. And as always, um, you got to tip your hat to the coaching staff as they always do a phenomenal job there in Washington. Yeah, let's move on to a team that was just fire, uh, <laughs> pun intended. The LA Sparks looked like fire. I mean, my, 
I got three bullet points on this team. My only concern is health. Can this team stay healthy all year? It's going to be tough. Uh, the only other concern that I have is peaking too early. That's something that a lot of players talk about. You don't want to be playing your best ball the first couple of weeks of the season. You want to peak. So when it comes playoff time, that's when you're playing your best ball. Uh, that being said, Candice, NECA, Chelsea, Simone looked a thousand percent. I mean, three of them looked like they were an MVP caliber level. And yes, I'm leaving Simone off that element because she was coming off the bench and just was four for four. I mean, great player. Don't get me wrong. Greatest of all time, in my opinion. But six for I mean, six, looking... she was six for six. Oh, sorry. Six <laughs> for six. Woo. Underplaying her. Wow. <laughs> Fools. Fools. Um, but yeah, no, just, I mean, they had multiple MVP caliber players. Candace Parker looked young. And when I say that, I mean, the way she was moving was so fluid. Obviously, her body is not bothering her right now. She was the Candace Parker that we have billed her as throughout her career where she literally is the one through five. I mean, she was taking the ball up a few times. She was in the half-court offense, just like giving the ISO and and doing it. I mean, she, what she was doing was giving us a flashback to some of the greatest moments of her career in that game, and I hope it keeps up all season long. Um, only other thing I want to say about this team, and I'll pass it on over to you, is Brittany Sykes, as I said, was one of the biggest, if not biggest, off-season moves this team had. Huge move for this team. She showed it. She had a ESPN or a Sports Center top 10 where she rejected Brittany Griner. Um, and if you don't know, there is a huge, huge height discrepancy there. But as I told Sykes on one of the press conferences, in my opinion, she's one of the most athletic players in this league. Mm-hmm. No, no that, that, that was a hell of a play. Um, I had to stand up for that one. But yeah, and the Sparks looked great. Um, and it was kind of refreshing to see that especially with how the season ended last year uh, from a chemistry standpoint you know what I saw was I think a team that's worked really hard on that in the offseason that's been a concerted effort through the front office um, to the coaching staff through the team and and I think it showed on the court you know that the camaraderie with this team is huge and that's been a big question mark Um, what I saw I mean I mean yeah they were a force Um, yeah they, they looked dominant but their depth um, I, I agree with your point about staying healthy. That's going to be important. It's going to be important with, with anyone in terms of having the success this year, especially with this condensed schedule. But the depth uh, was, was really exciting to watch with LA. I wasn't sure how Simone was going to do. I'm sorry if that offends you, Aria, but uh, no. the depth of LA is, is, has the potential to be really, really scary. And I think that can be you know um, part of their success and dependent on whether they can get a championship or not. Yeah. And like, look, I'm not going to be offended when you when you bring that up about Simone, because at the end of the day, like when talking about how young Candace Parker looked, Simone Augustus looked young also the way she was moving on the court. I mean, part, one of the reasons that I think the biggest knock against her when other people want to talk about greatest of all time is because her career has been hampered with knee injuries. Like, let's call a spade a spade. She's had some knee injuries. It's slowed her down. It's hampered her ability to play, especially recently. Um, so for me. Like, to see her move like she did and see Candace move like they did, that's why I say health, because those two players need to stay healthy this year, and it's it's going to be scary for the rest of this uh, the rest of this league. Let's move on to the power rankings. Rachel, I'm just going to run over my 1 through 12. Uh, if you have any disagreements, if you have any thoughts, chime in, let me know. Topping off after one game for each team in the WNBA season after opening weekend. So yes, it's early. Chill out if you're if you're a crazy diehard fan. 
and I don't put your team high enough. I'll explain why. Uh, LA Sparks are number one to me. Um, before this season, I had the Seattle Storm as number one, and I have the Storm as 1A here, so tied but slightly below. The LA Sparks just showed more of a mid-season rhythm to themselves, more of a overall confidence to themselves, and played a complete game through. The Seattle Storm went up against a bottom-dwelling team and did not look as confident, as fluid. Realistically, though, you got two, two almost three players coming off injury, Bird, Stewie, and Lloyd, and Natasha Howard joined the team late, so there are some hiccups there. So I do expect them. They did get the win. I'm not going to drop a team down you know, from the number one seed a ton if you get the win, but did not instill confidence in that first game for me. So they are at number two. Then we talk about number three is the Chicago Sky, a team I've been very hyped on, a team that's coming back with their roster from last year, only like one or two losses. Um, I'm excited to see what they can do. They don't have Diamond for the majority of the game due to knee inflammation and a few other nicks that they said. So keep an eye on that. Hopefully she can heal up because this is going to be a sprint of a season. But they're number three. They avenged the last season ending to the Las Vegas Aces. So they're moving into the number three on my power ranking. Number four, Las Vegas Aces. I mean, look, they I've been very vocal about not thinking that they're going to be a top team this season, but I was reminded how good Asia Wilson is. You know, she is that top-level player. She is going to show out. And Angel McCautry just lit it up and reminded us all why it's a treat to watch her play. So I got them at number four. Number five, got to pay some respect to the Washington Mystics, a team that, look, they had a big win. They realistically are not the team they were last year. The roster is nothing like they were last year. That being said, they are full of players who last year won a championship, Last year, they didn't get as many minutes, but they instilled confidence in those younger or quote-unquote role player players. But they played the fever. So let's not get overhyped on how big that win was, how great Maisha Hines-Allen played, how some of the other players played well. Like, realistically, they were playing the fever, a bottom bottom team last year, and a team that showed up late to the bubble. Number six, my hometown team, the Minnesota Lynx, got a nice win, played some great defense, and honestly overcame adversity in that fourth quarter late in the third. And that's why I'm dubbing that win the biggest win I've seen from the Lynx in the last two years. And granted, it's really one year and one game, but that was bigger than any win I saw last season by this team and is a huge positive look. So I'm going to bump them up to number six. Number seven is the team that they beat, the Connecticut Sun. They didn't look that great. I mean, all right, here's the thing. They look great until the third quarter when they kind of lost gas. They're going to be a team that's going to take some time to build up, but I still am pretty high on them. Then we'll move down to number eight, the Phoenix Mercury, a team that struggled, but like we spoke about, it's going to take some time, some calibration, but they're going to get there. Number nine, the Atlanta Dream. I liked what I saw. They're heading in the right direction, but they're still missing three players. Two of them are going to be extremely key, and the jury's still out in Kalani Brown, so we'll say wait to see that. And also, let's be real. They beat the Wings. That's not like the greatest accomplishment of all time. It was a great game. I really enjoyed it. I like where these two teams are heading, but they're not going to, you know, hop, jump, jump in a skip or whatever the term is all the way up to a top five team because they beat the Wings. Uh, Moving on to number 10, I'll give the Liberty. They played good against Seattle, much better than I think a lot of teams gave them credit for. We're going to see some stuff from them, but I don't think they're talking playoffs yet. Number 11, 
the Dallas Wings. I'm super hyped on this team. I don't know if you saw me tweeting during the game, Rachel. I am excited about this team. I'm hyped. Young roster, just crazy talented, so much length on the court, so much athleticism. They're going to be fun to watch. And then number 12, I think is pretty obvious, the Indiana Fever. Rachel, am I crazy with this power ranking? I know I just kind of ranted, but... No, I thought it was great, and I thought you did a great job of going through it. I agree with most of it. I think the funny part will be, you know, a week from today, next Monday, I'm sure this list is going to be completely trashed and look completely different. Uh, but hey, that's what makes it fun, right? Yeah, no, totally. Let's move on to one of our last points of the episode, a coaches poll that we put out. You know, often in sports leagues, they interview the GMs or the head coaches and do, you know, some fun questions. Who's going to win MVP? Who's going to win defensive player, rookie of the year? All these things. Winsider decided to do our own. Y'all should check it out on winsider.com. It's got a sweet, sweet graphic like all of our articles. Uh, but just to give you some highlights, I'm going to leave out a couple of the questions. But Brittany Griner beats out Stewie 6-5 to five as the coach's favorite to win MVP this year. Sabrina beats out Kennedy Carter 5-4 to four for Rookie of the Year. Natasha Howard gets the nod for Defensive Player of the Year, but it was close between BG, Sill, and NECA. They all got votes. It's interesting. Teams or coaches are like, oh, yeah, all these people who have already won Defensive Player of the Year, yeah, yeah, they're going to play good again. Right. Um, start a franchise. The question was, if you're going to start a franchise today, which player are you going to pick uh, for success to start your franchise? And honestly, everyone wants Stewie. She got nine out of the 12 votes. That wouldn't be worthy of bringing up on the show if it wasn't that she's coming back from an injury. So I did think that was a little bit interesting. Uh, some other players got some nods, but you're going to have to check out the article to figure out who. Uh, closest to winning their first MVP was interesting because of how many votes Brittany Griner got for expected to win MVP. It was a tie between Diamond to Shields and Asia Wilson with three votes. Fee and Brittany Griner got two, and Gray and Sloot got one vote. So a little bit of discrepancy there. I'm I'm curious. Uh, it was an anonymous poll. I'm curious uh, to think what the coach's thought process behind that was. And my favorite question in the poll was most underrated player. Alicia Clark takes it home with three votes. The other players who got votes were Dwana Bonner, Jordan Canada, Chelsea Gray, Derek Hamby, Natasha Howard, Jewel Lloyd, both Alexander, <laughs> both Vander Quiggs, uh, and Alyssa Thomas makes a lot of sense. Uh, we're going to do some predictions for the next set of games for each of the teams. And then we got a, three fan questions that we're going to head to. Rachel, it's the hot seat time. All right. We're doing predictions. No copping out. No backing out. First game, D.C. versus Connecticut. Who you got? I think Connecticut responds uh, after the loss this weekend. I got Connecticut. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I guess we'll have to wait for the next one to disagree. L.A. versus Chicago, who you got? Oh, God. I mean, I'm going to end up going with L.A. on this. I think it's going to be a great game. Um, it's it's not a knock against Chicago. I mean, all these are really hard because we don't know enough. But um, I just think L.A. will be offensively a little more dominant. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see how Chicago can get that interior defense working and how healthy Diamond Shields is going to become this game. It's on Tuesday. I'm going L.A. also. Uh, the final game of the Tuesday triple header is Minnesota versus Seattle. I'm going Seattle. Who are you going with? I'm, I'm green with you. I'm going with Seattle. All right. Moving on to Wednesday. We got Phoenix and Indiana. I think this is easy. I'm going Phoenix. It's going to take a few more a few more games, maybe a week or so more before I see anything out of Indiana that's going to make me think differently. Yep, I agree. 
New York at New York versus Dallas. I got to stop saying at <laughs> New York versus Dallas. Uh, I'm going Dallas because I'm on the Dallas hype train. I'm all about it. I love this matchup. There's so many young players. I mean, this is like, it, it's just a complete unknown. You know, who's going to step up? Who's going to play well? How are these teams gelling together just so early on? I think Dallas is going to respond too. I think I think New York still has quite a few growing pains ahead of them before they get into the win column. But uh, yeah, I agree, Dallas. Atlanta and Las Vegas. Sorry, Atlanta fans. I'm going Vegas on this one. I really liked what I saw. And yes, I love Liz Cambage. But realistically, Asia Wilson, if she stays healthy, is going to have a hell of a season. I'm going Vegas. Yeah, I think Asia is a, t- a tough matchup for anybody. Um, I think she's going to have a dominant season. That's why I picked her number one in our media coach's uh, draft. I'm loving every second of it so far. Knock on wood, she stays <laughs> healthy. But um, I'm going Vegas with you as well. Did we agree on every single one? That is a first. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, I don't know what to do now. Yeah, we have yeah, entered. It, happened. <laughs> it happened. All right, let's move on. Fan questions. We uh, we took to the Twitter sphere, as I like to call it, and asked you guys about, uh, got any questions for us for the show? We got three questions we decided to bring on. Question number one, do you think it's too early for Kennedy Carter's career to get her benefit of the doubt calls? A resounding yes. Yes. She played one game. <laughs> Come on. Listen, the, the hype and social media and everything is fun and that that, that that's exciting, but at the end of the day, you got to put in the time, you got to put in the work, you got to you got to put the hours under your belt, you got to play in those games way too early. Yeah, I don't I don't give benefit of the doubt calls to anybody who's not like at least one year full season into the uh into their career. That's just my opinion, but hey, I'm also not a WNBA ref, so whatever. Next question. With Kia Nurse injury, uh, she sprained her ankle. Uh, the Liberty have no choice but to start a rookie in their place. Do they go big with Odom or Jasmine Jones to get the start? Honestly, I, we were talking about this before the show. I could see it going either way. I like the big game from Odom uh, in her first game in the season opener. That being said, you know, Rachel, you had a good point. Sorry to steal your quote. It's going to matter on the matchups. Yeah. And honestly, depending on how long Key Nurse is out, I would not be surprised to see, you know, Odom get it, then Jones get it, then back and forth and back and forth. So no shock. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these decisions are based on, you know, that week of practice or in this case, you know, that day or two of practice and and how players have performed in in training camp, how players have performed, you know, in that previous game. So we're going to see a lot of different lineups out of some of these these young rosters, especially with the Liberty as as they're toying around with kind of the best starting five. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Odom gets the nod. Yeah, moving on to the last question. Do you think Sabrina versus Carter – should have been more of a convo around draft time, considering the holes in Sabrina's game athletically slash defensively and getting consistent paint touches. Kenny was much a guarantee stud to me. I hear where they're coming from, but the answer is a resounding no, in my opinion. Like, at the end of the day, it comes down to they have completely different styles. And just realistically, the way Carter fits into Atlanta and the way Sabrina fits into what New York wants to build around with her, they make complete sense. Now, we're not talking about rookie of the year vote. If this question was, do you think there should be more of a convo around rookie of the year between these two? I would say yes. But the difference is you're not drafting somebody for rookie of the year conversation. You're drafting them to fit into either fit into the system you already have established or to fit into a system slash help create a system that you want to establish. Yeah. 
Good point. Um, I, I agree. I don't think it needed to be more of um, a conversation. Um, both players have their own types of holes in their game. Now, that wasn't talked about a lot because of the hypeness and the excitement surrounding both of them coming out of college, which is exciting and completely warranted. Um, both are going to have their own learning curves in terms of um, their transition into the WNBA and what that looks like. I think Kennedy Carter is playing in a system where she is going to be allowed to thrive. It's a perfect, perfect fit with Atlanta. Sabrina is in a perfect system where, you know, you can build around a player who's as heady and as intelligent and all of those things that Sabrina brings with a competitiveness standpoint, um, with, you know, understanding that it, it, it it's just going to take Sabrina longer, in my, in my opinion, instead of just talking about, oh, she's just going to go get hers, those types of things. Not not that I'm saying that's what Kennedy did. She, she, she played great across the board. I just think it comes down to both players are going to have learning curves at times. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Sabrina just for her. I think it's a comfort thing um, and it's a comfort thing for the Liberty just in general, whereas with Atlanta. Carter, you know, she's got the ball in her hands and she's just given the green light to go play the way she plays. Um, how that is going to mesh with Courtney Williams, I don't know. Still a big question, question mark for me. Um, so I know I'm rambling a little bit, but I don't think it should have been more of a convo, but I do look forward to more of the discussion about Rookie of the Year as the season project, uh, continues on. Hey, you know, it's a weird episode. It's topsy-turvy day if we don't disagree, but we haven't really disagreed this episode, so... <laughs> Whatever. Uh, as we always say, if you like our show, please consider joining our Patreon community. For less than a cup of coffee a month, you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the W. That's all we got for this episode. We'll be back later, though, folks.